to the ClusterCast, a filterless podcast on family travel. I am your co-host, Anna Lyons. And I'm Scott Lyons. Uh, we are normally here talking about the adventures and misadventures that we encounter when traveling as a family. However, this episode is going to be different. Yeah, I was very resistant to the idea of pivoting on our subject matter, but... We as a society have undergone some pretty big lifestyle changes in light of a certain virus that shall not be yeah, mostly because we're sick of hearing about it. The virus that shall not be named. Voldemort 19. <gasps> no, you said it. I can't say it. <laughs> All right. Well, this this means that we've had some serious draconian vibes imposed upon us that is cramping everyone's lifestyle. Everyone but us, apparently. 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 Right? You know, mm-hmm. it, it is a sobering moment indeed, right? When you realize that your day-to-day life is actually a quarantine nightmare for others, right? Yes, <laughs> it kind of uh, is. Um, people now are home. They're having to work from home, limited mobility, socialization. And now with the added burden of having to educate your children from home. It, you know, what? as embarrassing as it is for us, I understand that for everyone else, it is a lot to take on all at once. It's very, very overwhelming. So in light of that, since yeah. our podcast exists to keep it real and to share our experiences to help others, it seemed only natural that we should do the same in this situation as well. Yes, exactly. So we have been a work from home, educate from home household for the better part of seven years. Seven years. Yeah. So, but if you remove the panic and lack of toilet paper (laughs) from the scenario, this whole thing would really literally seem like another day, another WebEx and a check the Slack channel for us. Yes, exactly. So since we're old hats of this lifestyle, we realized that we actually had quite a few hacks and tips for managing the work life and sanity at home for everyone else who is just now being thrust into this lifestyle. Exactly. It feels like second nature to us. It does. Yes, it really does. However, we realize that it doesn't feel that way to many, many families out there today. So, like we were being real with you guys about what it's like to deal with a French VRB ho- VRBO host. That's a lot, VRBO host. It's <laughs> a lot of vowels. I would like to buy a vowel. I would like right. to buy a consonant. Thank you. Yeah, we were real about that, the, the mean French host, yeah. if you recall that last episode. Not last episode, but a prior episode. Yeah, what was that called? Oh, the worst vacation rental. Worst that vacation one. rental. Yeah, that one. So, we're going to be real with you this time. Yeah, or a pukey kid on the train. Uh, so just like we're real with all of that, we are here to give you our hard-earned wisdom on how we manage our life at home. And we realize that many, many, many people are in uncharted waters. And we realize that this was a great opportunity to share how we deal, just like how we do. We talk about how we deal with kids abroad, how we travel with them, road trips, etc. Okay, so this is how we deal with them at home, because apparently we all stuck at home now. So I'm I'm feeling like this must be how the fantasy nerds felt when Peter Jackson like brought the Lord of the Rings into the mainstream. So did it feel like that? I think it does feel like that. <laughs> do, do, I mean, you know, like I'm assuming. I'm assuming no, I'm, I'm no, not I mean, a fantasy back, nerd. I'm not. Oh, I knew that. Anyways, mm-hmm. so uh, like we finally have a way to relate to the cool kids now, huh? Yeah, like right? we're the cool kids now. Like so, we, we can talk about Gandalf. Having good boundaries with your kids. And like, we have bidets. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Yeah. Right? Okay. So while this episode is, of course, a special, quote unquote, 
and not our usual content, we want you to know that we fully intend to keep the hallmarks of our podcast in that this will be a filterless, honest, and practical. Yes. No passport, no toilet paper, no problem. Like you said, we have bidets. Actually, this has been an amazing opportunity to <laughs> flex on people who don't use bidets. Exactly. Like, oh, we're out of toilet paper. I'm like, oh, oh are you now? Right. Are you? Oh, allow you? Allow me to tell you about my situation. So moving on from toilet talk. Toilet uh, talk. We've been getting a lot of <laughs> questions. devolve into like barf talk or toilet talk. Like when it just have, happens. When you have young kids, that's where it goes a exactly. lot. Exactly. And then you end up doing it yourself because you're just used to it now. Yeah, it's just second nature now. <laughs> Anyways, we have been getting a lot of questions, though, about how we manage our day-to-day life. Moving on, uh, since apparently, like, quote-unquote, quarantine is now our regular day-to-day life. Yeah. So, uh, while we are not operating in any sort of official quarantine capacity, I feel like people use that term interchangeably. Um, But I will say that all of the lockdowns and the shutdowns certainly makes it feel that way. Right. I mean, we're healthy as yeah, well we and we've been following the um the cdc or centers for disease control disease control and the uh, world health organization's recommendations for healthy people without underlying healthy uh health conditions yeah so um, we're good so yeah i mean we've been good just in and so far as you know we go to the grocery store we go to the beach that's kind of our life um and and those of you who don't know what those recommendations are for the cdc and the who go look it up don't get your medical or your social distancing advice from some rando on social media. Right, exactly. Don't. Talk to your doctor if you know you need to. Check with the CDC and local health departments. Don't listen to social media randoms. Let's let's do that louder for the people in the back, ready? Okay. Don't, don't listen, listen to, to social media, media randoms. randoms. Good job. Not that hard. Period. Anyway, so that being said, we understand that it can feel very isolating and lonely if you're used to a rollicking social life, along with the added burdens, of course, of juggling work and home and educating the kids. That's a big deal. So if this is something that uh, you haven't done before, we totally understand that it is overwhelming and probably a bit underwhelming too. And it's confusing and you're scared and we get it. Right. Absolutely. And we're here to say that it isn't scary or anything to freak out over. No. I mean, we do it every day around here, but by choice. By choice. So <laughs> I don't know what that says about us, but whatever. Uh, you know, we're we're the, like I said, the, the cool kids now. Yeah, I know people want to sit at our table. They want to sit with us. Yeah. Now. So uh, with all of this talk about quarantine and lockdown and all this stuff with germs and illnesses and so forth, I thought that we could just explore just for a moment for everyone's like personal edification, what quarantine is like, what is the history of quarantine? Like, where did it come from? Do you know? So I think it's, isn't that when it's, uh, when a ship, uh, back in the day had like cholera on it or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so they raise a flag on it to, to indicate that it's, infested with some disease to tell people don't come aboard don't come aboard something like that it is infested (laughs) (laughs) yes and and that is is probably the term quarantine that we are the most familiar with like the yellow flag or whatever it was um 
Yes. So that is what we're familiar with. So I decided to do a little research to see what its history was. Um, and I found out that it is actually nautical in origin. I wasn't sure. Um, and according to the CDC's website, the practice of quarantine as we know it today originates from the 14th century in Venice. So the idea was to protect coastal towns from plague epidemics, because this was back when they were dealing with the plague. Port authorities would require any ship arriving from a you know port that was known to be infected with the plague. Or infested. That, or, or infested. <laughs> infested. <laughs> they would have to sit at anchor for 40 days before disembarking to land. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. So, yes. So the name is derived from the Italian words. Well. Corenta Giorni. Quaranta giorni, which means 40 days. Right. I think we just need to start saying quaranta giorni. I'm going to go self quaranta giorni. It sounds so much more (laughs) elegant. So much more elegant. Quaranta giorni. So you can kind of, if you say it, you can see how you got the term quarantine, quaranta giorni, quarantine. We haven't had a lot of exposure to Italian, so we're going to put our Spanish twist on it. I know it if we do that. No, you're going to go Transylvanian because oh, that's yeah. what happens whenever you try to do an accent. <laughs> like, it just goes Transylvanian. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. One. <laughs> One <laughs> <laughs> I got to count up to 40 now. Uh, moving on. Okay. So while we are not dealing with the plague here, right? And the length of time obviously varies for everyone. Uh, and we've seen a widespread lockdown in an effort to slow Vol- Voldemort 19. <laughs> So, in some way or another, we relate to this idea of Quarenta Giorni. Ah, ah, ah. I love it when you speak <laughs> Italian. I love it. <laughs> well, yeah. How about uh, eggplant parm? Oh, yeah. Well, I also love it when you talk dirty. So, yes. yeah. Eggplant parm. Okay. So, major, <laughs> major, major <laughs> lifestyle delay, changes. Delay laugh on that joke there. It's okay. Uh, Just keep moving. Yeah. Keep moving. Moving on. Moving on. Obviously, everyone has some uh, lifestyle changes. Um, and yes, we are here. Like, uh, you know, we've been doing this for seven years. So it isn't much of a shock to us. No. So I I just threw this up on social media a little while back, just kind of saying, hey, you know, this is our lifestyle. Do you have questions? And I was inundated with questions and response about logistics, scheduling, school, how to balance work with kids. Uh, all of this stuff over the last 24 hours. So I have taken down your questions and we plan to answer them all, plus give lists of um, books, movies, shows that we like, recipe recommendations, just to kind of help make this current quarantine fest a little less depressing. Right. So to start, yeah, we understand the logistical side of this seems incredibly daunting. Yeah, so logistics, so we're, we're kind of going down the logistical Thank you. list right now. So after the first few days of, of, of the, you know, the newness of the change here, everyone's at home, that, that part starts to wear off, things will inevitably start to come up. Like, where in the world do I work from? Especially if you can work from home in your current yeah. occupation. How do I keep our house from descending into the Hunger Games yes. type of situation? You know, uh, yeah, and those are valid questions, and and I would say we go through them regularly. I'd say, whenever something changes, we move or somebody has a job change or whatever, like that comes up a lot. So I would say, give yourself time to calibrate and recalibrate 
and adjusting to different needs as they come up because different needs will come up. What works for us won't work for you. What work what works for one kid won't work for another. It's complicated. People are yeah. complicated. Things will change and it will shift. Give yourself that time. Please don't fight it. It's perfectly natural. Um, you are not going to just set it and forget it with the same schedule. It will take tweaking. Right. It, it, it will take adjusting on a regular basis. Yes. So the sooner you accept that, that this is going to be in flux, um, and don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up over why you don't have some perfect routine. The sooner that happens, the better. I agree. And nobody has a perfect routine. Right. I mean, for us, we've used a lot of different schedules with the kids. Yes. A lot. A lot. <laughs> we stopped. We stopped counting very soon. <laughs> very mm-hmm. early in the process. In in our early episode, we talked about how uh, we use illustrated and uh, the illustrated schedule. Right. The way we call it a controller. That's not bound by any particular time constraints. It's just an order of events. Yes. So that was actually in our road trip with kids episode. And and so we still use that in the car. And then we used that method with the kids for years when they were little. We had it on the um, oh on the refrigerator with magnets right. and, and they would go up and they'd look at it and, oh, OK, it's time for this. So I, I would say that especially when the kids are little and especially because we're working from home, time constraints really outside of naps and bedtime just didn't work for our family vibe. Again, right. we weren't dealing with any kind of schedules, so it just didn't deal with, you know, just like we weren't dealing with school or dealing with time at the office. So the rigid schedule just wasn't for us and it was unnecessary. It seemed almost redundant. Of course, the exception of morning wake up times, naps and bedtime. Those were scheduled. Yes, those were non-negotiable. Those things had to happen. And the idea stems from the book Bringing Up Bebe by Pamela Druckerman. And side note, if you have not read that book yet on French parenting, I highly recommend you do so. Even if your kids are older, I say it has some super valuable lessons on raising your kids and just maintaining healthy boundaries in your life as a parent and not kind of losing yourself in that. So highly recommend it. She's a French expat over in Paris and she kind of talks about how she had her baby over there and she learned sort of the ropes of French parenting and and really found it very, very valuable and very wise. And, and so she shares it in this book. So the author presents this idea of setting up a frame of non-negotiables in your home life and then allowing certain freedoms within those boundaries. And that really helps to just create a happier existence as a parent and even for the kids. Like right. it's just everyone's happier when you know what the expectations are, but you're not like drill sergeant, like forcing everyone into this like militaristic schedule. Exactly. And speaking of schedule, it, for us, that was knowing when we would have some downtime. Yes. Right? Naps and bedtime. Yep. Right. With structured times, no getting out of bed 10,000 times for non-emergencies. No. That has been 100% the key to our success as work from home parents. We know when we will have downtime and just alleviating that unknown has made all the difference. All the difference. So there are obviously goals and expectations that we have with the kids during the waking hours, but it's not like it's a hyper rigid schedule of every moment of every day is allocated to some activity. That's not how it goes. Right. And it might work for some people, but it just wasn't our, our thing. It wasn't our jam. It wasn't our jam. And I'm going to, I'm just going to go out on a little limb here and say that since we're all at home and we don't have any kind of schedules or expectations, I would say it's probably going to work for everyone else. Like you're going to drive yourself crazy, hyper scheduling everybody for nothing. Like 
And now we go to this chair and now we move to this room. <laughs> like just no. So our expectation. You don't have to replicate a classroom at a public school. That's what you don't. No, do. don't do that. Yeah. Don't feel like you need to wake your kids up at 7 a.m. Right. And get them up and, you know, make them, you know, breakfast and do that. Don't do that. You're going to drive yourself crazy and no one's going to have fun. So you have all day. All day is still out there. You got to stretch this out. This is a run out the clock situation. <laughs> we said that before. We, that is that is just <laughs> <Say> that <often. laughs> parenting. It's just it's just a big old run out the clock. So our expectations for the kids during waking hours is schoolwork that has to get done. You right. need to play independently. Uh, meals, reading, chores, that kind of thing. These things must get done every day. But we don't have any like time crunch um, on the outside that like needs to be done. You know, it's like, ah, oh, it has to be done. No, it's like it'll get done eventually. I'm not telling you 15 minutes, get this done. And then we have puzzle time and then we have this. No, no. Right. Yeah, exactly. And this gives the kids the freedom. Right. So now that your time for school and time for work can go you know, further on into the afternoon or further on into the evening, the, the kids have the freedom now if they get absorbed into a particular Lego project or a book or just riding bikes, you know, they have the time now to enjoy that activity to the fullest extent. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and we love that we've been able to give that to our kids. And honestly, it gives you more free time. If they're absorbed in something, then you can have a little time to, to yourself. So I will say that the schedule's flexibility does also, like just on the flip side, it gives us the ability to tighten up the reins if the kids are being surly. So yes, we can let it be flexible if everyone's kind of in a good mood and getting along and following the rules. But you know what? If they're being whiny malcontents, we can always push the schedule with more rigidity. Like, all right, okay, this is what we're doing. This, you know, And you can just push through the activities a bit more quickly if you need to. Right. You can kind of play it by ear like uh, like it's a sliding scale. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's sliding scale. So when it comes to scheduling methods, though, we have done everything from, like we said earlier, the illustrated kind of loosely structured outlines to block scheduling, which you can just Google that. Go look it up on Pinterest if you're curious about it. But you basically just set aside like huge chunks of time to different tasks uh, and then I even really recently did a color coding a clock by time. So I like took dry erase markers and like kind of pie, tr- like made a little pie and been like, okay, when the hands are pointing to the red triangle, that means, and then they would go to see what the what red meant. And that yeah. was, you know, to be clear, you're room. literally drawing on the glass in front of the clock. Yeah, with a dry erase marker. Right. And you can look that up too. I'm, I'm sure it's on the internet. That's where I saw it. And, and it helps then, the kids kind of tell time too. It does. And, at it, that age. and it gave them that independence to manage their own schedule. Um, it has since rubbed off. So whatever. It's fine. It, it, all this is to say is we've done it all. There's not a right answer and it'll change for your season as well. Like it's not always going to be the same. Yeah. And again, you, you just have to play with it and figure out what is right for your family. You know, I will say that you will definitely need a schedule, though. Yes. Like you can't not have one. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like trying to take a bath with your shoes on. Yeah. You're just going to feel overwhelmed and frustrated and literally nothing will get done. Exactly. It'll be counterproductive. And then you have (laughs) wet shoes, which is the worst. So I would say give yourself good chunks of time to don't feel like you need to have every 10 minute increment scheduled. Stretch it out. The kids will adapt. They will get used to it. And ultimately, it will save your sanity. You know what also saves your sanity? Having the kids work in separate areas as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I could hear everyone else on the other side listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you're still fighting this, don't fight it. Give in. Put those kids in separate rooms. <laughs> so if you are having to you know, educate your kids from home now and you have more than one kid, definitely, definitely have them work in separate spaces. So put one in the bedroom, one in the living room, whatever iteration works for the day, iteration du jour. Um, many of us don't have the Martha Stewart dream house of having some kind of like dedicated homework room that we use in between right. like horseback riding lessons. Ish. Yeah, it'd be great, but we don't. But we did we did kind of solve that problem by grabbing some uh, those uh, those TV dinner foldable tables yes. for our kids. Right. Yes. So they can take those with them wherever they can mm-hmm. sit down. It's nice uh, right height for them to write or color or read or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so that's been really good. It has couch, bed, whatever. So we like having that. And, you know, there will be some days where the schooling will need to be done at the dining table for whatever reason. Others, maybe the kid needs to work from the couch or the bedroom. Don't box yourself in with like school must happen where the desk is at nonsense. No, no. The TV dinner tables are just the best option. Right. They're small, portable. And guess what? You can order them from Amazon. Amazon. So there's like really no reason to not do it. So you can keep your social distancing in play. In play. (laughs) And then have your children go to their separate rooms. So we also have rolling carts that are just kind of loaded with school supplies. Oh, yeah. So pencils, manipulatives, pencil sharpeners, crayons, pretty, pretty much anything that gives them an excuse to like get up and stop doing what they're... No. Have it all in the cart. If they need anything, extra paper, glue sticks their books that's another thing you will go crazy with the piles of school stuff that's just floating around give it a home a little rolling cart that way they can take it wherever they're doing their schoolwork that day that's what you do and guess what you can get those carts at target you remember that store i do yeah or of course on amazon on amazon that's true (laughs) i don't think there's been a run on rolling drink carts either so there you go and, and and just bear in mind that doing the school from home is hard. It just is. It depends on the kid and the grade level. I mean, oh, yeah. it can take a lot of your energy and what's being taught. If you're teaching a brand new concept, it's going to take a lot longer. If the kid's not interested in it, again, a lot longer. Just take a deep breath and know that naps are coming. Yep, absolutely. And, and yes, we said naps. Because we do make our kids take naps. We do. Judge us if you want to. They're 10 years old and 7 years old <laughs> and we're still taking, making them take naps. Don't care. Don't but care. Really, it is not so much about sleeping as it is they have to be in their room, doors closed, resting, so being calm and doing something quietly, or reading books for at least two hours. Yes. And Oliver still sleeps. I'd say he drifts off to sleep from time to time. Sometimes Charlie will tinker with his snap circuits or read. But we have kept that mandatory rest time since they were infants. So we have still ridden that wave. Here we are 10 years later. and We're like, nope, go to your room. Go read. Leave us alone. We're going to try and drag it out another 10 years. (laughs) Totally. Charlie, you're 20 years old. Go take a nap. Go take. A, he'll be happy at that point <laughs> to take a nap, and and we use. Yeah. And f- then it'll be harder to wake him up in the morning at that point, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, and for the record, we use a lot of like timers and um, alarm clocks. We even have these like okay to wake clocks. Um, right. Also, you can find them on Amazon. Find them at Target, um, and it's just kind of like a it's a very child oriented, kid friendly. Um, 
you sort of preset the time of like, okay, you can get up at this time. Like a and bedside then, clock that. But like makes happy faces and stuff like when it's time to get up. So that's what we use to communicate with the kids about when it is and isn't okay. So. So there's the, the kid stuff it's, nailed down. Yeah. Yeah. But what about, I'm sure people are wondering how we manage uh, work. What yeah. the parents have to do. Yes. That is, that's a tricky let's one. Let's talk about that. So let's talk about that. So for one, like the kids, we have separate workspaces. We do not have a home office on the couch type setup. As comfortable as that sounds, it drove us insane. Too many distractions. Too many distractions. <laughs> you just end up getting angry and frustrated with everyone. Everyone. Like, why is my work asking me to work? Like, why are my children breathing too loud? Like, this is horrible. So, <laughs> no, we don't do that. And no, I've never heard those before. No. Anyway, so we, we've gone to great lengths <laughs> over the years to have dedicated workspaces, right? So, yeah. separate spaces, separate from the main part of the house. Yeah, we've done it all. We've rearranged furniture to dedicate a corner of a master bedroom. Uh, literally, I would crawl on the floor to get to the bathroom if Scott was on a video conference call. Right. And we've made offices and closets or clothes. Clothes. Uh, spare rooms. And uh, now we're in a garden shed the or a office. Yeah, it's a office. Make it work. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid to think outside of the box. Yeah. Don't, don't be like, ew, ew I don't want to like you know, sit in a closet or in the bathroom and do my work. Look, as long as the work gets done, if it's saving your sanity and giving you some time, do it that way. Now, if you're fortunate enough, by the way, to be working from home, I also strongly suggest a good noise canceling headset for conference calls. And it's not just the the headset part, but it's also the microphone that would have right, good noise isolating properties that's, to it. Yeah, that's the main part. And I was also... Just to add to making like your shafis and your clothes, if you need to, I mean, if this means you get a card table and you set it up in your, if you have a huge master closet and you go just set it up in there, do it, do it. Please don't be like squeamish or like, oh, I don't want to do that. That seems weird. Go in the laundry room. I don't care. Go somewhere quiet. You're going to be happy you did it. So I think the next thing is um, kind of who, how do we balance who watches the kids and who works? Yeah. So this one's pretty easy for us. Um, Scott gets the day because his job requires him to be available during business hours and mine does not. So I take the day shift with the kids and he takes the evening shift. So lately, and this isn't always, the kids' naps and rest time starts about 3 p.m. So I can start writing then, and then that will just take us through until after business hours when Scott takes over. Right. Yep. I get in, and I am ruthless. Ruthless. What have you guys been doing all day? But it's been it's been nice. It's really, really worked out for us. Um, and you also had dedicated office hours at one point as well, didn't you? I did. So I had dedicated time during the day so I could get some work done. And then the kids had to sign a contract saying that they would leave me alone during that time or else they would forfeit TV time. (laughs) We do that a lot. Yes, Contracts are amazing and they're, they're very good um, as well as leveraging TV time. Yes. That That is a very good bargaining chip and the kids know it too. So. And we don't always use naps as times for being productive. You know, that's important. But it's something that we've had to learn to balance. I mean, not letting there be a work-life overlap. Yes. Been, you know, it's always been, a, it's an ongoing challenge every day. 
It is, especially because it's all there. It's all at home. And I would say, especially now, you're feeling probably just a lot of pressure to have the kids' education be perfect and to make your work be perfect. And it's so easy because you're home, because you don't have that degree of separation to give in to the temptation of like squeezing in work whenever you can. But seriously, it is going to burn you out and cause meltdowns for you. Yes, you, not your children, you, faster than you can say WebEx. Fast. It's really fast. But you certainly need to allow for for veg time. Yes. Just, Just time to unwind. You know, that's good stuff. So you take a nap too. stare at your phone, go for a walk, do what you need to do to unwind without kids or work. Yeah. I I hate to say self-care because I feel like that's such a, like a wienery buzzword nowadays, like <laughs> like an excuse to be a bad friend. But I think what I what I mean when I say that self-care is is just taking that time to do something for yourself. It looks very different for a lot of different people. Burnout happens when you put crazy expectations on yourself. So take that time. Binge watch something. Read a book. Do that kind of thing. It takes discipline, but you will feel more refreshed and ready to tackle these new challenges if you take the time to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Ooh, that's a good reference. Mm -hmm. A little travel reference for us. So maybe instead of self-care, we can now call it O2 mask time. I really like that. O2 mask time. And doesn't sound as wienery, does it? <laughs> nope. And O2 mask time starts with some good boundaries of oh, when yeah. the kids need to go and play independently and not bother you and have quiet time or nap time or when to go to bed. That right. I mean, that is the key. But at the same time, I'm not aware of any tricks that like magically make the kids quiet. No. So sometimes that's difficult where you can have, uh, you know, like, for instance, I've run into times where I'm on a conference call with, you know, C-level executives while the kids are in there doing their place value worksheets. And, and you wish that they would be quiet, but they're not. They're not. They see they see that you're on the phone and they immediately start hitting themselves on the head with a shovel. Like right. that is what happens when kids see you on the phone it was silent up until the minute the conference call started and then they're like oh hey look we found this random shovel let me like start donking my brother on the head with it <laughs> that is what happens and it's just just it kind of like it's the laws well. of the universe of like the moment you get on the phone the kids start freaking out on you that is absolutely what happens so we're here to say we don't know any tricks i'm sorry that will make the kids be quiet there's none here's the hack with have time. good boundaries mm-hmm. Make them go to their rooms and read quietly. Have established bedtimes. Know when you can count on time that you're going to have alone and time that you can focus on your work and you can count on it. And you can even let, make your employer aware of that too. Like if for for whatever reason you need to switch things around because obviously a lot of things have changed, you can be like, hey, look, I can guarantee you from this time to this time I can work. Like can't do eight to five, but you know what? I, I absolutely can do, you know, Two to whatever. Right. Those timelines you're talking about was a sanity saver for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hands down. Hands down. And we used all the tools of blackout shades, white noisemakers, the okay to wake clocks, uh, just to get us some good stretches of sleep with the kids. You know, we also uh, have mandatory outside time 
that's kind of novel these days, right? It is. So that was an idea circa 1993, right? Yeah, it was <laughs> so my childhood. We, we do that every day when we can, right? Yes. It's Mothers like, good. go outside and don't bother us unless it's an emergency. Yep. So thankfully, we also have a great fenced backyard that allows us to do that. I understand that not everyone has that ability, but um, if you have it, take advantage of it. Get them outside, make them run around. They're going to be a lot more mellow and happy to be indoors right. after. So, Manage those screens. And we lay the hammer down about screen time. Yes. For sure. We have always been pretty stingy with it. Not because we're snobs about TVs or screens. It just sort of worked out that way. And so as such, we've made our kids work very hard for TV time. Like it is a valuable commodity in our households. Right. I'm a different kind of snob for yeah. screens. Yeah, well, I just, yeah. I just like the screens. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. That too. But I just, it's just not wanted like, to point that out. It's not like we're above TV time. Like, oh my gosh, my child like only watches puppet shows that our nanny puts on. Like, oh, give me a break. But the point is, too, as much as is I might enjoy good quality picture on a screen and enjoy the content on there, we, we do make it clear that we work hard for our time in front of a screen as well. Yes. Right? It isn't like Anna and I are just sitting around doing nothing all day. No, we, we hustle. And do our chores and do what we need to do. We have our jobs, etc. And we enjoy some well-earned relaxing time afterwards. Yes, yes. And this hap- uh, this conversation has happened very recently with the kids too. Uh, Oliver said he got up to go to the bathroom and he saw us like watching TV oh, yeah. one night. And, and so we had to tell him, we were like, we work very, very hard during the day. And this is how we unwind at night. And and I think it's important to set that example of like, no, we're not just lounging around, you know, watching YouTube or soap operas, <laughs> if those even are still going on today. <laughs> yeah, who watches soap operas? I, I don't days? know. I think they're still going. We don't do stuff like that. And and so we do try to be an example in that way because it is it's like TV is special. TV is a treat. And we try to model that. Yeah, and we remind them, too, like, you, did you have a good dinner? Oh, yeah, it was delicious. Well, guess who had to clean that up? Mm-hmm. So that you have space to make your breakfast in the morning. Yeah. All that stuff. So it doesn't turn into a health code violation in here. <laughs> exactly. Every day we're exactly. wiping this down. So again, on the on the same vein of screen time, we, we do tell the kids that for every page they do a schoolwork in their workbooks, uh, that they can have five minutes of screen time. Yes. Yeah. That's been a great way to make them earn it. And we've used stickers on their hands before to help us keep track of who's earned what. Right. And all the menial daily chores need to be done before TV time as well. Yes. So what has worked out really nicely is that the kids typically, typically don't get around to watching TV until the evening. Right. So after their rest time and before dinner, you know, and all the chores have been done, then they get their TV. So that's kind of how it's been going really recently. Yeah, and it actually works out great because we can do the dinner prep in peace and quiet. In peace and quiet, yes. Win-win. And we also give the kids what we like to call reading challenges. Oh, yes. These are really good. As inspired by the public library's summer <laughs> reading program. So but someone else thought of it first. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like that's so, where we got the idea for it and then we made it better. Yeah, I think we definitely kicked it up several notches but to to go over this so the kids typically pick out a toy and we buy it for them but it doesn't stop there they don't get the toy right away the toy sits on top of the refrigerator until they finish reading an agreed upon book or books books yes so our rule is one challenging book 
for their respective reading level right. equals $10 increment of a toy. So if they want that $40 Lego set, then it's four books they have to read. Right. And we do have to discuss which books are acceptable as well. Yes. Like one, <laughs> one time we told Charlie that the one and only Ivan was fair game, mm-hmm. only to learn that he then blasted through that book in in an afternoon. Yes. And I mean, we, and we did got on- the toy. We, we honored we, our bargain. We honored the We're transaction. Like, that was easy. <laughs> but we realized we had to be a bit more like proactive about how difficult the books were. And, and it is hard to strike that balance of you don't want to discourage the kids because the book is too hard, but you also want to make sure that they're not, you know, just lolling around. Like you want to make sure that they're pushing themselves too. So it, it, it's always a balancing game, but I, I think we've, st- I think we're happy with where we're at right now. Right. And you know, you can toss in some questions too. Like, so what happened in the first couple of chapters, if it's age appropriate, I mean, you don't just want the kids scanning their eyes over words just yeah. to earn a toy. Yes. No. We. Yeah. 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 We do ask like questions about the plot. So yeah. So having that toy right there on the fridge because they can see it and they are really invested in being able to have that toy because they're the ones that chose it, right? They wanted it since the store, the trip to the store. Yes. So it isn't like the toy is some abstract idea at Target. Like I, I can imagine what I might want. It is sitting right there. They chose it. They chose it. They can see it. And now they have to earn it. Yes. So the reading challenge has been a great way that we've kept the kids super engaged and invested in books. Right. So while we have the standard curriculum at the kids' school, wait, so uh, should should we explain? First? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay. It's a little confusing. So we say things like, oh, the kids go to school, but we also are homeschool. So, so let me explain. It? So our children are technically in public school. This is a point I like to make to distinguish us from unfair stereotypes. Sure, sure. So the best way to describe our school situation is to just kind of relate it to businesses or companies. So Right. So if you think of a traditional school as we know it is uh, going five days a week for so many hours uh, with, you know, your teachers and a gym, et cetera, as going to work. You know, relate it to as going to work or the office every day. Right. Just like your morning commute. You go, you sit down. Go to work, go to Mr. The office. Mr. Slate, you know, yells at you and then you <laughs> come home. <laughs> so if you think of homeschooling in the traditional sense of when you think of homeschooling, it is you're at home, you're your own entity, you're responsible for all your own materials and overhead. And that is very much like owning your own business. You don't answer to anyone. You are yourself. So the school that we participate in is a lot like working from home for a corporation. Right. So like what I do. Yeah. So someone else handles the payroll and HR, but I report to this company and I do my work mostly from home, you know, with the occasional trip or business meeting to the office or customers, etc. Yeah, exactly. So that's what our school is, basically. So we belong to the public school system. The kids go to class, they like a real class and Public they school curriculum, everything. go one to two times per week. And this is a dedicated school for kids in this particular program. And they have teachers, friends, lunch, PE, I mean, the whole nine yards. And then on the days that they don't go to school, they do their work from home. Right. And then we're the teachers in those situations. Yeah, we're kind of overseeing it. Yeah. So it's a good a good setup. So yeah. the curriculum, the pacing, the lesson plans, they're all predetermined by the school district. You know, 
we oversee it and and work with our kids on quote unquote home days. Yes, exactly. So now, obviously, like probably everyone else, we're doing everything from home with remote access to the teachers. So. Right. So now we just don't drive them to class. I'm actually getting a lot more done because I'm not having to do the pick up and drop off <laughs> and making lunches on those two days a week. It's kind of nice. But it should we should note it um, note here that even though we have the oversight and resources of the public school, there there are still additional things that we do to help enrich our kids' learning. Right. We don't just stop at the curriculum. Right. And so we figured that maybe you guys might want to know, perhaps. Probably. Perhaps. You're feeling like, is there anything else? So uh, we love the Khan Academy. It's free and online. And obviously, with your kids being online, just a PSA, be careful of, you know, monitor it. Be sure you know what they're looking at. All that good stuff. Be responsible adults. We're assuming that that's what our listeners are. But again, <laughs> got to say something. So um, Brain Pop is another one that we really like as an online educational resource. And thankfully, things like Brain Pop are now free. They have now completely opened up their user access to everybody due to this big lockdown. So, so. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it used to be subscription only, and it's good that they... They opened that up. Yeah, the school you know, like gave us a login. Like we had to have one from the school district to get into it. So you know, and depending on how long this lockdown goes, it's it's a good thing to look into Chromebooks. I'd I'd just say a little tech tip oh, here. Oh yeah, they have a good uh, Google. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, they they do operate or offer an operating system called Google Chrome OS, and it runs on these lightweight laptops, and it has very good parental controls and restrictions. So like what you were saying. The, the kids can't go yeah. to uh, surely websites. Yes, we we do that so that they can they can go on Khan Academy, they can go on Brain Pop, they can go on ABC uh, or whatever. Yes, exactly. And and obviously we feel pretty good about the filters that are on there, but it is also nice to not have to like share your laptop. Right. <laughs> I need to work on, on my laptop and the kids need to use it for school. That's a little hard. It, it starts to get tricky. And so if you can spare a couple hundred dollars, it's definitely worth the investment. We have very much enjoyed that option that we've had. So with all of the spare time that we have now, everyone collectively, I feel like this is a very cool opportunity for kids to pursue the interests that they have in a in a super geeky way. Oh, yeah. And, and just letting them just go down those rabbit holes of interest that they have. Yeah, we try to observe, I guess you could say, and encourage the kids. Um, when we see that they're really interested in something, we want them to go all in. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's something that really makes them excited or they're they're very passionate about something. And, you know, your kids, you'll you'll know when you see it, um, you know, because there aren't any time constraints or class disruptions. So it's a great chance for us to get in really into coding or for them to get into coding or understanding the finer points of dinosaurs. Yeah, I, I, yep, I get into coding too. They can understand, <laughs> you know, they can look into space or history. Uh, just yes. the other day, Charlie asked me where wind came from. Yes. We dove into where that came from. It's pretty cool. It, it is. And so we try to tie their interests into their everyday learning because it is all connected. Right. And then we just try to weave that into our everyday life, not in like a super nerdy, like overachieving sort of way, but just because that is life, because it is all connected and it, it is cool. So coding, for example, we watch this 
uh, episode of Storybots on computers and electricity, I think. That's what yep. it's on. Yep. Sweet so, and then Charlie loves to geek out with his Ozobot and his snap circuits. And then we'll go find a video on brain pop on the topic so he can learn more. You know, it just, it you can just keep going and going and, and that's really great. Yep. And we encourage them and just let them go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Let you them know. go down. Oliver too. You know, he's always had an interest in the human body. So we learn about immunology to an age appropriate degree, of course, yeah. and watch videos and listen to podcasts and have long discussions about these things with them. Yes. And one of my favorite moments ever, 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 ever as a parent was when Oliver asked me if T-Rexes get gout because they only eat meat. <laughs> yeah. I mean. You said they do, right? I, like, I don't know. Because you know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but I mean, that was several discussions or seasons of interest that he put together and then thought to ask about it. So all this is to say is kids are paying attention. So it's just, it's Amazing. a great opportunity to let them just develop those interests and go down those rabbit holes. You have the opportunity to do it now. And there's a very good book called bringing up geeks by Mary Beth Hicks. And, and I think it's well worth reading as well along with bringing up baby and bringing up geeks and that really gets into kind of more of the research as to why it is good to just let kids geek out and go crazy and obsess over the things that interest them. Yeah. It's just about finding what works and what they're interested in and, and running with it. Like yeah. take it all the way. Exactly. And now, and now with everyone being home, you have that chance. So it's, it's kind of a gift in that capacity and guys, Huh? This guy's a little bit. It, yeah, it's, it's there. Like, it's there. It's there. I mean, it's crappy circumstances. It's terrible. Yeah. Oh, but, um, it, you know, it's it's a great chance to spend some quality time with family and kind of let your kids pursue some interests. And I'll also say that toys and movies today are not what they were when we were growing up in terms of being educational. I mean, if you wanted something educational when you were a kid, like back in the 80s and 90s, you were at the mercy of whatever magic school bus or Bill Nye the science guy would throw at you, interesting or not, that is what your choices were. Magic school bus? Magic school bus? Magic school bus? Remember that song. Anyways, we're not going to sing it right now. The spirit behind those things were good. They They were were just boring. They were not engaging. I didn't think they were boring. I thought they were so boring. My mom would make me watch Bill Nye and I was like, oh, I hate this show. <laughs> He's so boring. He's still around doing it. I am. Good for him. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it was boring. But today is very different though. So yes. educational TV and toys are no longer those pretentious and boring deals from our childhood. Mm-hmm. Producers and toy makers now definitely know how to engage kids in a way that is in, that is as enriching as it is fun. Yes, and right. that, and it's true, and and it's kind of almost like sneak sneaky educational. You don't really know it; you're being so entertained that you're actually learning something, which is pretty cool. We love the Ask the Storybots for science, and then Just in Time Go for social studies, and those are both on Netflix, and they're excellent. And then we will also have the kids watch Trotro in French on YouTube. And if you're not familiar with Trotro, he's this little cartoon donkey I think I he's a donkey and it's a French cartoon and the kids watch it and what is great about Trotro is while it is probably a bit more on the preschool side 
because it is slower paced language, the kids can actually pick up on the French words. It's not going super quickly. So it's kind of good for just language immersion, I guess, if you will, unofficial. And then for super annoying Disney movies like Frozen, for example, there are options. I don't know if you're aware, but I think is it on the Blu-ray versions? You can play them in French or Spanish. Any any disc-based version should have multiple languages. You yeah. can pick different languages, and you can put it in that, and then you can justify that they are learning another language, especially if they kind of already know the dialogue and the plot. It could be kind of easy to pick out what's going on. Yeah, you're like, let's so, watch Frozen for the hundredth time, but there's a twist. <laughs> it's in French. and You can Olaf, sing along, but you have to sing it in French. <laughs> and Olaf's not nearly as annoying. So anyway, <laughs> we enjoy these sneak attack uh, education opportuni- opportunities. They're just, it's amazing these days what's how it goes, how it is very much encouraging kids to get into the sciences and understanding history and that sort of thing. It's so different than it used to be back when, you know, you had that like one aunt who would always give you like the dorky educational gift. It's just not that way anymore. Right. And, you know, if you want some non-screen options, you yeah. know, games as well. So yes. uh, like board games or, or interactive, um, you know, I'll just say board games. Um, they the, the Think Fun games are little sneaky educational toys disguised as fun. That's true. Uh, same with uh, Ozobots. Um, you should look that up. Those are really cool. Magnetiles and Snap Circuits. Yes. Those are the ones we've found so and, far. And we recently discovered co-op games too. So for years, oh my goodness, we did not do games because the competition didn't bring out a great side in us as people. And and the kids didn't do well with losing or winning. Sore winners and losers, if yep. you can imagine that. And so these co-op games though... This is where everyone, it's not like everyone's a winner, like self-esteem, blah, blah, blah. No, it's just like everybody is working towards a common goal. So it's more teamwork. And that, knowing that those things exist, has been a game changer for us, pun intended. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Pun intended. Game changer. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, this is obviously a lifestyle change for us. Or... You know, not a lifestyle change. Not a for lifestyle us. change. That's what for I us. Say. Yeah. And 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 we definitely understand that it isn't for everyone. Yeah. You know, we are just throwing out what we do in hopes that it may inspire or give hope to any parent who's feeling kind of stuck. Yeah, that's the only reason why we're doing this. We're not saying like our way is the best way. You have to right. do it our way. It's researched and blah blah blah. No, we're just saying, hey, here's how we survived. We've survived for seven years. We must be doing something, right? I don't know. Pick what you like. There you go. So someone asked me another question I got on Instagram was, how do we deal with bickering? And I thought that was a very valid question. So how do you deal with bickering? (laughs) I want to know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a very good question, especially, you know, considering how everyone is kind of lumped into the same space now. You know, that's that's a pretty pressing concern. It is. So I will say, since you asked. Yep. We typically deal, we, I typically deal with bickering. I'm working. uh, By separating the kids. That's what I do. Yep. And the bickering does tend to happen, like kind of right around lunchtime, bickering starts to happen. So for that, I'll put the kids outside. One goes out, one goes inside, or I put them in different parts of the house if it's raining. 
And just that separation is what we need. The physical, okay, you guys need to go to separate places and just cool down. Right. It doesn't help either, though, that they do share a wall between their rooms. Yes. So we have heard them before annoying each other through the heater vents. Yes. (laughs) So they find a way. (laughs) They do. Even when they're isolated. Life finds a way to annoy each other. You know, we're doing really good on movie reference bingo. We are doing really good on movie <laughs> reference bingo. <laughs> Not that we're actually playing bingo. Anyways, it is so it is typically an inside outside type of situation or other part of the house, you know, situation there until they they cool down. Yes. And usually for some bizarro reason, they end up missing each other and then they resent yep. me for separating them. Whatever. Whatever. They stop bickering. So mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not whatever. Fine. You can be mad at me. I don't care. So also, like uh, like we said earlier, we, we do contracts. You know, we write contracts to help yes. hold the kids to a behavioral standard. We try to make them fun. We don't make them boring. Um, it usually involves a consequence or a reward. You know, that certainly helps. It also gets the kids involved in their own behavior rather than us just hollering at them for various infractions. That's so true. So the more you can get kids involved in taking ownership of the, of just their education and their behavior, it takes that burden off of you. So the more you can do that, the better. Yep. Within reason, of course. Of course. And early bedtimes, if things go south repeatedly, just be like, okay, done, in bed. Right. Yeah. So we, we've used the phrase, if you are acting like this, you are telling me you need more sleep. Yes. That is exactly. Go, go to sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> and you'll feel better and you'll you'll be able to toe the behavioral line a bit easier when you're well rested. Yep. And it's the same thing for all of us, let's be honest. Yep. And and so we realize that this is a lot, like a lot. It is a huge change for so many people including your kids. We get it. Yeah, and it might help to have a family meeting and get everyone on the same page. Um that could be really important. I would say that's yes, Bring I would everyone agree. Everyone on, on mm-hmm. board. Yes. Have a family meeting. Talk about the changes. Be honest about your feelings. You know, I mean, this has been imposed upon you as well. Let the kids be honest about their feelings. This isn't super awesome. And you guys are just all crammed in the same place now. And these things will need to be discussed. I mean, it's a major life change. Like this will be something that they're going to remember. So talk about it. That's okay. And then even draft a family contract. That might be helpful. Probably follow up meetings too. Big deal. Yeah. Like we said in our Flying with Kids episode about how uh, Sir Ernest Shackleton kept morale up by carrying on with everyday tasks, no matter how futile they seemed, (laughs) right? No matter how futile, yes. That is where we are at here, right? That's kind of the same situation. It is. I mean, from a not exactly the same, but similar. But yeah, but it's that same (laughs) thing of like, well, it doesn't really matter if the house is dirty. It's not like anyone's coming over or why take a shower and get dressed, you know, et cetera. But I would say those are those little dignities that add up over time. And morale will get low if everything's just a cluttered mess and everyone's just kind of gross. No, just maintain some status quo of the, you know, house looks like this. Make sure everyone keeps their junk picked up, especially because you're all together. I will tell you, if you're all together in the same place, all working out of the same place, the mess builds up super quickly, like alarmingly fast. Right. Take showers, get outside, bake. Even if it's just those stupid box brownie mixes, hey, now you have brownies. 
And then the kids got a little project and it was bonding. So just it's stuff like that that you do to get through these kinds of situations. Yeah, exactly. We uh, so you and I both look forward to our evening unwind session where we usually make cocktails and occasionally popcorn. Ooh, and it's the good kind in the oh, yeah. air popper. And then we toss it with butter and olive oil and salt. Mm, yeah, it's like the habanero infused olive oil. So good. So tasty. And then, you know, we watch a TV show together. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes we have tea. Sometimes it's a bowl of cereal or a movie or sometimes we're even just talking. But we always take the time to unwind as like the two adults in the house at the end of the day. Like we have adult conversation. We talk to each other. It's, you know, it's just one on one time. And that is just really important to have and to have that distinguish you know it's like you're in there you're with the kids you're all up in each other's business having some separation and having some time with fellow adults is super important right and it's also important to remember that you shouldn't put too much pressure on people here but our kids are watching us yes so we're in kind of a crisis mode and our kids will remember exactly how we responded yes do we want our kids to look back on this time and think about how their parents were glued to news stations spouting unsubstantiated shock numbers with the little siren icons and hoarding toilet paper. Do we want them to see us panic? No. Right. Not I don't. I don't want to be <laughs> I wouldn't want to be remembered that way. I mean, this is a time for kids to understand sphere of control and sphere of concern, right? Is there any overlap? Probably not. Probably not. So don't focus too much on the things we can't control. And Voldemort 19 sucks. It really does. But do we have anything but control over how we respond to it? Yeah, that's like literally the only thing we have control over is how we respond. Kids are watching our responses. So let's respond with dignity. Don't indulge conspiracy theories or get emotionally invested in what your great uncle is posting on social media. He's crazy. We all know that. Let it go. Just let it go. He's crazy. And speaking of your sphere of control, here are some things that you can actually do. And again, these are things that you will model to your children. You can donate to local food banks. They are really hurting today, whether that be because volunteers can't come in or because there are so many people who are now out of work and they need food. They could use our help. Support local restaurants, coffee shops, and bakeries that are still open for takeout and delivery. These places could be gone within a month if they yep. lose business. It's actually a good story. There's a there's a family-owned cupcake shop here in Washington, and they are staying afloat during this time because patrons are ordering cupcakes and sending dozens of those to the local hospital staff. So do stuff like this. Encourage this type of behavior. It keeps the economy going and gives hope to people who could use a morale boost. Yeah, it's so true. I love that story of people sending cupcakes to the to the hospitals. And I will also say that you can also commit to paying more attention to the news. Wait for it. That comes directly from the Centers for Disease Control and the World Health Organization instead of the news that comes from outlets who, by the way, will make money off of your viewer slash readership. And it's not that I don't support journalism because I do support it. But you need to realize 
that understanding statistics, epidemiology, and medicine are all fields that require advanced degrees in those disciplines. And you know what? It's best to leave these things to the experts. Right, exactly. Don't be an armchair epidemiologist. Don't. Don't put that on your resume. Don't. It just don't be that person. Don't be that person. Leave it to the experts and focus on what you can control, like we said. So staring at a screen with swirling siren icons and, you know, new case developments isn't going to make you any smarter. And Johns Hopkins is not going to give you an honorary MD because you watched enough news. Nope. Nope. That's not how that one goes down. I promise. And nobody is going to hire you at the World Health Organization because you listened to Dr. Oz. Oh, should stop watching them then. Yeah, you should stop. Stop. <laughs> You're done. Cut off. Well, on that note, finally, finally. it's going to do it for us. This was a long one. Thank you so much for listening all the way through if you made it this far. Uh, we should have done a movie reference bingo. That would have been really good. Yeah. But remember, please wash your hands and then disinfect your keyboard to in, or- in order to click, like, download, and subscribe to the CDC and the WHO because that tells the internet that you liked educated stuff. And you can donate, if you didn't know this, to the World Health Organization's COVID-19 Research Fund Voldemort in lieu. 19. What? Voldemort 19. Voldemort, I'm sorry. <laughs> the WHO's Voldemort 19 Research Fund in lieu of shopping at our store. Didn't know if you knew that existed. It does. Probably didn't quite make it onto all the news with the sirens and the hoopla. So there you go. Definitely do that instead of shopping at our store. Please go there. And also, if you like what we're talking about and want more info on the games, the resources, recipes, including drinkies and popcorn, uh, and other products that we use for our everyday life or your quarantine. Our everyday life is your quarantine. One man's <laughs> trash is another man's treasure. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 fell in the, quite nicely right Didn't there. It? <laughs> Anyways, check out our website at www.clusterfusstravel.com. And even though Costco shoppers want to give up their toilet paper stash and go for a bidet whenever they hear us say it, this is the Clustercast, a filterless podcast on family travel. So long, everyone. Bye.